You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. So the other day I'm reading your book and I'm kind of struggling with the exercises and I found myself just giving myself so much shit about the fact that I'm bad at self-compassion. And then it's just like, okay, Jill, this is, you are a real case. Hello, and thanks for joining us on the podcast where we talk about all things change, big changes, little changes, um, absolute transformation. I am Lisa Oz. And I am Jill Herzig. And um, we're going to be talking about a buzzword that's out there, and I hear it all the time now, self-compassion. And it we'll explore it a whole lot more. But do you think of yourself when I say that those words? Do you think of yourself <laughs> as a self-compassionate person? Um, why do you ask, Jill? <laughs> I ask because I think you are so tough on yourself. Um, yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, that you're tough on yourself. Yeah. Thank you for admitting that. Uh, what am I going to do? Lie on a podcast? <laughs> Lie when under, I'm staring straight under, into your eyes. <laughs> are you a self-compassionate person? Um, I am trying to be more so. The moment when I completely lose it is when I don't, when I can't deal with technology, and then the things that I'm saying to my self in my head, the names I am calling myself would like take paint off a car. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like we both need some help. And thank goodness our guest today is an expert. She's a developmental psychologist and the author of Self-Compassion, The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. Dr. Kristen Neff, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be with you both. What what is self-compassion exactly? Is it just letting yourself off the hook? Yeah, well, no. I mean, so self-compassion really quite simply is treating yourself with the same kindness, care, support, and encouragement that you naturally show to someone uh, you cared about. 
right? And it doesn't mean letting yourself off the hook because let's say you're a parent and your child misbehaves. It's not compassionate to that child to say, oh, don't worry about it, no big deal, because that's not good for the child in the long run, right? So when you care about your child, sometimes you have to say, hey, there, there's consequences, but it comes from a place of love, not from a place of shame or, you know, you aren't good enough. Um, and, and it's interesting, most of us have that intuitive sense with our children that the best way to help them grow and motivate them and learn is through support and encouragement, sometimes constructive criticism, but still, you know, the goal is on healthy ways of being. Um, and yet with ourselves, somehow we totally don't get the message and we beat ourselves up and we think that somehow shaming ourselves is going to help us achieve our goals. <laughs> it mm. doesn't. Yeah. Well, how do you know if self-compassion is, is a big issue for you? I mean, is it really, is it a big issue for everybody or is it particularly a particularly big stumbling block for some people? Right. Well, there are variations in self-compassion. Um, I actually created a scale to measure it. If anyone's interested, just Google self-compassion and, and you can and you can find the scale. Um, most people, you know, are much more compassionate to others than to themselves. So people whose parents were very compassionate and supportive and kind of met their needs consistently, they tend to be a little more naturally self-compassionate. Um, people maybe who grew up with parents who are more self more, more critical of them or maybe not really available. It can be more of a struggle. Um, but basically, you know, even if you had the best parents in the world, if you if you went through middle school, it's likely <laughs> that you have some issues with um, self-compassion. And, and a lot of it is our competitive culture. You know, we think we have to be hard on ourselves to achieve our goals and to be to be good people. So most people do struggle with self-compassion. I have to say, especially women. Women are less self-compassionate than men are, although we're more compassionate to others. And that's part of because we're, we're taught that we show a subordinate, subordinate our needs to those of others. So I think women, in a way, have a little more catch-up to do. Uh, the good news is, is we're also compassion experts. <laughs> and we know how to be kind and supportive. We just have to give ourselves permission to treat ourselves the same way. Do you find it translates across all areas of your life? So if you're... I know like when you're on a diet and you cheat on a diet and then you beat yourself up, you're like, oh, how did, why did I eat that brownie? Is it, yeah. is that the same? Are you more likely to be a person who's like, oh, I can't believe I didn't, you know, I didn't do that thing at work. Yeah. Does it translate across all areas of your life, the self-judgment? Well, so um, in a way, that's with self-compassion. We're trying to be more um, accepting of all our flaws in all areas. I like to call it um, the compassionate mess. You know, our goal just becomes to be a mess, but to be a compassionate mess. Um, but what you're really talking about is self-esteem, right? So um, when I first introduced the concept of self-compassion to the field, I tried to position it as a healthier, healthier alternative to self-esteem. So self-esteem does vary by domain. You know, if you really care about being smart and you don't really care about being an athlete, well, then if you fail at, you know, on a test or something that indicates how intelligent you are, you're going to be really upset. If you aren't a good athlete, you don't really care. Right, so so self-esteem is contingent on success and value domains, um, and and then of course when it when it fails, um, we become devastated. Hey, I'll tell you guys actually a true story of how unstable it is. When I was younger, I was I was a little more identified with with my looks. I must admit, I think like a lot of women. Um, and I went to this writing stables with the, with a group of friends, and there was this old Spanish writing instructor, and he was, he was like, I guess he liked my Mediterranean looks, and he said. You are very beautiful. And I, oh, oh thank you. You know, self-esteem goes up. 
don't ever shave your mustache. <laughs> True story, you know? So like that's, that's the nature of your self-esteem is here one moment, it's gone the next, right? Just depending on how well you're doing. So self-compassion is different. Self-compassion isn't about judging yourself as worthy or valuable. Self-compassion is just about being kind and supportive, like embracing that human imperfection. You know, the fact that, yeah, we, we have hair growing on our upper lips. So what? We're, I'm human, right? <laughs> and so it's really a different mindset. We're, we're getting away from that idea of, am I good enough? And we're just moving toward... Um, kindness and support. Again, you know, the ideal is kind of how we'd ideally like to treat our children. We love them unconditionally, flaws and all, um, but we also want to support and help them do their best. So we're going to say, you know, eat your vegetables. Don't eat all the cake you want. Um, you know, exercise, do your homework because I care about you and I want you to be the best self you can be. Mm. So really that's the attitude we start taking to ourselves. And there's a ton of research shows that it's much more, it's much more effective motivator than self-esteem. It gives us grit. It gives us the strength to get through the hard times. You know, when we're there, when we're in the when the voice inside our head is supportive, like a friend, an ally, as opposed to cutting ourselves down all the time. Of course, we're going to have more strength to get through the tough times. So you say that it's more of an issue you think for women, and you sort of suggest a different brand of self compassion, fierce self compassion for women. Yes. So yes, what's the yes. what's the difference between the fierce kind and the sort of the gentle, yeah. tender kind. Yeah. And so this is really, um, my next book's going to be about this. I'm really um, excited about it, especially for a woman, because, you know, women, our gender roles allow us to be kind and tender and nurturing. It's kind of, you know, part of what we're supposed to be as a woman, but we aren't allowed to be angry. You know, if we, if we get angry or we get upset about things, we're called crazy or called worse names. But I think women especially, but all people, we need to uh, really embrace the two faces of self-compassion. So one I call kind of, uh, I call it yin self-compassion, drawing on Chinese philosophy. That's the idea that, you know, sometimes when we're hurting or we're struggling, <clears throat> we need to be tender with ourselves. We need to accept ourselves. <clears throat> Sorry, we need to be with ourselves in kind of a, a nurturing, soothing way. It's very important. But there's also an action side of self-compassion, which I call the yang of self-compassion. Sometimes the best way to alleviate our own suffering, to care about ourselves, is to protect ourselves, to say, you know, no, that's not okay. You, know, you can't treat, you can't pay me less than my male colleagues. You can't sexually abuse me. You can't do all these things. No, it's not okay. That's really that mama bear energy. It's a really important aspect. It's also part of the female gender role that women don't talk about mama bear energy, a very fierce protective energy that I think women around the world, in some ways, I think what we're seeing around the world is kind of the collective arising of fierce compassion among women. We aren't going to take it anymore. Mm. We're going to protect ourselves. We're going to protect our sisters. So, and that's part of it. But, the, you know, this, this, this fierce energy also takes some different forms. Sometimes it means going out there and providing for ourselves, not just consistently subordinating our needs, but saying, hey, my needs are important too. You know, it's, my, my needs are valuable. I need to also meet my own needs if I'm going to be able to meet yours, kind of more of a balance, compromise. And then also, again, motivating ourselves. That's really that energetic force of self-compassion. You know, I got to make a change. This relationship isn't working for me or this job isn't working for me or my, the way I eat isn't working for me. I need to do something different in order to be healthier. And so really the, the yin and the yang or yang of self-compassion are both really essential. And we need both. We can't just have one. Like if we're just protective and maybe angry, 
without tenderness and love, well, then we're just perpetuating the same cycle of hostility. But if we're just tender and loving and accepting without that energy of saying, you know, no, this is not okay, then we're doormats and we might become complacent. So I like to say when you bring them together, it creates a type of caring force, caring force. You know, it's forceful, it's strong, it's powerful, but it's also caring, it's also loving. And I really think for women especially, again, you know, all people need this, but women especially, because we've been so socialized into one form of compassion and not the other, I think we really need to, to spend a lot of time and effort, you know, celebrating that angry energy, that protective energy, that mama bear combined with love and care. And that's where I think we're going to start seeing, hopefully, some changes in this world. Certainly on the inside, but also hopefully on the outside. (laughs) (laughs) When we come back, we're going to dig deeper into this idea of a powerful self-compassion. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We're chatting with developmental psychologist Kristen Neff um, about the topic of self-compassion. Now, you say there are essentially three elements to self-compassion. Can you talk about those a little bit for us? Right. So self-compassion, um, it's kind of a multifaceted um, state because if we have one without the other, it may be out of balance. So actually, the core of self-compassion is mindfulness. You know, we've been hearing a lot about mindfulness lately. Mindfulness is the ability to turn toward pain and stay present with it instead of either avoiding it, suppressing it, or else running off in the storyline, getting lost in the pain. So mindfulness kind of gives us some perspective and some balance when times are tough. And that really is the first step of self-compassion. We need to be able to acknowledge 
this is really hard for me, I'm really hurting. We kind of need to step outside of ourselves. So again, we aren't lost in the drama. And we can see, wow, I'm having a hard time. I need some support. So mindfulness is actually the core of self-compassion. And then we need to respond to ourselves with kindness and understanding instead of harsh self-judgment like we, like we normally do. And so we, again, we've really honed the skill of kindness and understanding and support for others. We need to learn to turn that inward. But th there's a, another element of self-compassion that's really important to recognize, and that's common humanity, right? Th there's a reason I use the term compassion. Compassion in the Latin means suffer with, calm is with, passion is to suffer. There's an inherent connectedness and self-compassion when you recognize everyone is imperfect and everyone leads an imperfect life. It's not just me. And this is really important because it distinguishes self-compassion from self-pity. Self-pity is not a healthy mind state. Self-pity, it's like, woe is me. We exaggerate how hard it is. We feel isolated. Um, self-compassion is just saying, hey, you know, everyone struggles. I'm struggling. Everyone's struggling. And when we do that, when we add that connectedness in, it makes all the difference. One, one of the reasons I know self-compassion works is, you know, I have an autistic child um, who, who's 17 now and he's doing great. But when he was younger, it was, it was pretty tough. And I remember one time being on the playground with my son, Rowan, and, you know, all the other kids were laughing and playing and interacting and interacting with their parents. You know, here's little Rowan, about five years old at the time. He was just stimming away, you know, banging on the slide, not interacting with me, not interacting with the other children. And, you know, I'll admit it, I started to go down this path of self-pity. You know, poor me. Why can't I have a, a perfectly normal, happy relationship, unproblematic relationship with my child like these other mothers? But, you know, I've been practicing self-compassion, so I caught myself and I said, Kristen, really? You're assuming that all these other parents have unproblematic relationships with their kids and will continue to have, you know, perfect, unproblematic relationships? That's not what's parenting, what parenting is about. What parenting is about is, you know, we have challenges. We struggle with our kids. Maybe it's not autism. But it could be other health issues, other mental health issues, just a lot of conflict. But in fact, what defines being a parent is we struggle and we do our best and we love our kids anyway. And the second I made that reframe, so got myself out of the rabbit hole of self-pity and really just felt compassion, not only for me, but for all these other parents on the playground, everything transformed. You know, I had a lot more perspective. I felt a lot more connected. Um, and it, was, I didn't, it wasn't so painful in the moment. It sounds like a real practice, something you have to, like a, 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 almost a muscular redirect of your thoughts. It, it is absolutely a practice. It's not an idea, although it kind of is an idea because a lot of us like have ideas that self-compassion is bad. They think it'll make us weak, it'll unmotivate us, self-indulgent, whatever. So in some ways, conceptually, we need to get over these misconceptions, which all of which are completely disproven in the research literature. But it is a practice. We have to remember when that little voice says, you know, this isn't supposed to be happening. I'm not supposed to be making a mistake or, you know, I'm not supposed to get this phone call from the doctor. And we have to remember, oh, wait a second. No, this is supposed to happen. This is what being human is about. And when we practice it, and so we embody it, we open to the pain with the mindfulness, we give ourselves kindness and, and you know, support. And we just remember, we, we feel connected to other people what happens is it engenders a state of loving, connected presence. That's what self-compassion feels like. 
loving, connected presence. And it is a practice. It's something you experience in your body, not just something you think about. How, so what's the physical component of it? Physiologically, um, self-compassion taps into the body's care system. So we, we've got the reptilian brain, the, the fight, flight, or flee response, which everyone has. And, the, and when we're criticizing ourselves, that's what we're doing. We're releasing cortisol and adrenaline, and we're saying, this is not okay. How am I going to solve this problem? And it's coming from this place of fear. But as mammals, we also have this care response, you know, the attachment system. We feel connected to others. Our, um, our heart rate becomes more variable. Our cortisol levels drop. We release oxytocin. And so believe it or not, we know physiologically what happens when you're self-compassionate is you're tapping into your body's care system and you feel safer and you feel more able to make good decisions and you feel more connected. Right. And so, you can, again, you can actually practice this. For instance, one very easy practice we teach in the Mindful Self-Compassion Program is when you're upset, just put your hands on your body in a supportive way, maybe hands on your heart or cradling your face or you know, a little self-hug. And it seems touchy-feely. It is touchy-feely. <laughs> but for a reason, because we're tapping into our parasympathetic nervous response, right? We're actually helping our body feel cared for. Touch is actually the most powerful signal of compassion. Think about it, a baby. The only way it knows its parents care is through touch. And so when we touch ourselves, we let our body know, okay, I'm here. I'm present for you. It's okay. It's safe. And then the rest can actually follow. So there's a very strong embodied um, component to self-compassion. It's not really from here, it's from here, the heart. Do you find that when you practice self-compassion, you end up being more compassionate towards other people? Is that Does it break that judgment cycle? Yeah, it does. Now, it's a little tricky, the relationship, just because um, so many people, especially women, <laughs> are very compassionate to others and really hard on themselves. So it's like people are almost at ceiling at compassion for others. The problem is, though, is they can't maintain it. They start to burn out. So they're naturally compassionate to others, but they get exhausted and burned out and stressed. And that's why we're losing people from the medical profession, from teaching professions, you name it. People can't sustain that level of compassion to others. So what happens is when we learn self-compassion, I mean, our, our kind of like our, our compassion for others is here, our self-compassion is here. So we kind of equalize them. So this, this goes up a little bit, but it's already so high. But what happens is they're balanced. And from that place of balance, we're able to sustain compassion for others. We're less likely to burn out. We're more likely to enjoy giving compassion to others. So, I mean, absolutely, the more but the more we're there for ourselves, the more we're able to sustain being there for others. It's actually a fallacy that you have to be self-compassionate before you're compassionate to others, because actually that's the best way most people are already. But I think it is true that you need it to sustain compassion. You're making me think about female friendship in, in an interesting way, because it almost as if it's as if we outsource our self-compassion to our friends. We, we have a very hard time as women, I think, um, giving ourselves that break, recognizing, hey, I'm not the first woman who's felt this or gone through this or made this mistake. And then we'll get together with our girlfriends. You do this for me often, Lisa. And we'll sort of confess the thing that we are <laughs> in a, you know, got to have our knickers in a twist about. And, and then you'll if you say, say it's all right or I say yeah. it's all right, then we're and you'll cool say, with it. That happens to me all the time or you're being ridiculous. But, but it's not, you know, it's perhaps not the strongest position in life to require your female friends 
to do that for you, that outsourcing maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I, I really love that idea. I think it's absolutely true, that especially as women, because we're naturally more connected. That's what we do. Um, but often what happens is maybe your friend is there for you and we rely on our friends. What if your friend isn't available? Yeah. Or what if your friend tells you that and there's still a part of you that doesn't quite buy it? You know, I mean, we need our friends, but we also need to hear it internally because our internal voice is the one that goes with us 24-7 throughout the day. You know, when we wake up in three, at three in the morning oh, and that yeah. voice is saying, you did this, you did this, you know, our best friend usually isn't there available to help us in the moment. So we're really, all we're doing with self-compassion is we're expanding the circle of compassion. You know, we still rely on our friends, but we aren't completely dependent on it. And actually what that does is it gives us more resources to be there for our friends and, and loved ones. When we come back, we're going to go even deeper into self-compassion. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Before the break, we'd been talking about self-compassion with developmental psychologist Kristen Neff. And I'm curious as to how you came to this philosophy, how you developed the whole concept of self-compassion. What, what's your story? What brought you here? Yeah. So, um, well, my story is it was actually my last year of graduate school at UC Berkeley getting my PhD. Um, and basically I was a basket case. <laughs> I had just gotten a divorce and I was feeling a lot of shame. It was a very ugly divorce. Um, and I was also under a lot of stress, not so much about whether I'd finish my PhD, but would I get a job after investing seven years of my life. So, um, I learned that mindfulness meditation was good for stress. And so I, I went to a course 
And the woman teaching the course, I was very lucky. She talked a lot about not only mindfulness, but the importance of self-compassion. That we needed to include ourselves in the circle of compassion. That we needed to be a good friend to ourselves. And, you know, I, I'll just be honest, it, it changed my life. It was like this light bulb moment. And I thought, wow, I never even really thought of that before, that I could actively support and be kind and good to myself in times of stress. So I did it and it made a huge difference. Um, and then when I got, um, I did get a job luckily at University of Texas at Austin. And, you know, I thought, I mean, so I certainly didn't come up with the idea of self-compassion. Um, it's been, the idea has been in humanistic psychology and, and Buddhism. It's kind of a core principle. So my small contribution is just, I, I found a way to uh, measure it and conduct research on it. And then, and then eventually with my colleague, Chris Germer, to actually teach the skills of self-compassion in more of a secular way. Um, so yeah, that's really uh, my story. But for me still, it comes from a personal place and practice. And I think the research is just bonus. <laughs> the research shows it works, but I know it works from my own experience. And, and is that um, something that you still have to practice or have you completely internalized it? Um, so occasionally I have to practice. I, I must admit though, it's been, gosh, maybe... 20 years now, it's, it's pretty habitual self-compassion at this point. I, you know, I don't, I don't criticize myself anymore. Um, that kind voice more naturally arises. Sometimes what does still happen, though, is I, I get into problem-solving mode. You know, when something really difficult happens, I kind of go straight into getting on the internet and finding all the options of how to fix a problem. And then I do have to remind myself to pause to recognize this is really difficult this moment. You know, I need to be there for myself and give myself what I need emotionally. And then also, you know, really actively remind myself. Yeah, I mean, I my first so, response to any moment of great stress or pressure is, what can I do? What can I do? There must yeah. be one or 10 things that I can do about this. That's right. And I think that's natural. I think that is a natural response. And actually, the brain is designed for problem solving. You know, the, the natural default state of our brain is to problem solve. So there's nothing wrong with that, but it does really help to pause and just remind yourself that you need a little emotion, you need a little TLC in the moment. And when you give that to yourself, you're actually much more able then to, to problem solve in, in a way where you, because what self-compassion does is it makes you feel safe, right? When something scary happens and we feel scared, you know, we do the problem solving from this place of fear. And sometimes we don't always make the best decisions or we get really stressed about it. But when the bottom line is, it's okay, you know, I accept myself, this happens, um, you know, I'll be there for myself, I got my own back. You can actually say that to yourself, I got your back. You know, it feels really good when you know that your commitment is to support yourself. And then from that place of safety, when you problem solve, it's a little less frantic and it's actually you make better decisions from this place. Well, I, I'm a little torn because there is something beneficial or at least evolutionarily about that voice in our head because the world hasn't and isn't always a safe place and it's there yeah, are scary things out there and even in a stupid just everyday occurrence like how we interact with each other the reason we're always like concerned about how we sound or what we've said or where how how what other people are thinking about us is because that had a survival benefit to us um yes. and if you were shunned from the group because you said obnoxious things you would be thrown out into the wilderness and you would starve to death so there is there is the self questioning and the self doubt and the resetting because of that 
um, yeah. and changing your behavior because of that has had benefit to us. So oh, throwing that all away absolutely. is not. Absolutely. Be- believe me. I So when I, when I practice switching from threat to care, what, what we first do is we thank the inner critic. The inner critic is amazingly useful. It's valuable. It gives us um, knowledge that we need to know. We need to listen to the inner critic and actually in a grateful way. And so, but, but the thing is, is if we just operate from that space without also having some sense of care, then we get, you know, we get anxious, we get depressed, and it actually undermines our ability to make good decisions. So while acknowledging the wisdom of the inner critic and hearing, okay, I got it. Yeah, you're right. I was totally out of line there. That could harm the relationship. Then from a place of love, you can say, okay, well, what's another way I can repair that? Right. You know, and actually often the inner critic and our kind of more inner compassion itself wants the same thing for ourselves. Both parts of us, we see the problem, we see what needs to be done, but they use a different tone of voice, right? Um, I'll give you a great example, which you, which you guys will appreciate. One of my participants said, yeah, you know, my inner critic always says, you bitch, <laughs> talking about, you know, she gets out of line a little harsh. And my, my inner compassionate voice just said, whoa, tiger. <laughs> it was like same message, but it's kind of, it's just easier to hear when it's whoa, tiger, than as opposed to you, bitch. But absolutely, we need constructive criticism. We need to clearly see where we're going wrong. We need to change. It's not like, it's not self-acceptance, like everything goes. It absolutely doesn't. That's not about well-being. Sometimes we need to change. But when we can do it while acknowledging it in a critic, while thanking it, realizing, hey, maybe there's another way to think about it as well that's going to be actually more helpful and effective to make the change. That's really what we're after. Well, I, I want you just to help me laugh at this particular thing. So the other day, I'm reading your book, and I'm kind of struggling with the exercises, and I found myself just giving myself so much shit about the fact that I'm bad at self-compassion. Yes, yes. And then yeah. it's just like, okay, yeah. Jill, this is, you are a real case. you got to talk to Kristen <laughs> about this. It's, yeah, yeah. We don't want to beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up. Yeah. <laughs> and, but really, that voice, it's also, it also cares about us. It also is trying to keep us safe. It's just the only way, the language it has is actually just a little counterproductive. I mean, shame is not the best motivational mindset. Although the message of shame, which is maybe I did something wrong and this isn't helpful, is a good one to listen to. But so there's also a phenomenon we call a um, backdraft in self-compassion practice. Backdraft is like the, the metaphor is drawn from firefighting, which is, you know, if you fling open the doors of a house on fire, the fresh air rushes in and the flames rush out. Well, that can actually happen with self-compassion practice. You know, we've had to close our hearts our whole lives to keep ourselves safe. We had to kind of numb ourselves. And then we open the door of our heart and we let the love in and the old pain rushes out. So it might not feel good at first. may not feel good at first, but it's an important part of the practice because that's kind of the transformational power. We also need to be there with ourselves, go slowly, go at the pace that feels comfortable for ourselves, you know. And yeah, it it does, it feels scary at first and it can hurt. But eventually, my my colleague Chris Grimmer likes to say, eventually, don't worry, kaboom becomes kabloom. (laughs) 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 because basically what happens is this is part of the transformation process right we let we start letting the pain out and it does feel uncomfortable at first but we meet that pain with this loving connected presence with this support and eventually um it starts to uh, heal and transform us so you've called it a practice um and and 
you mentioned mindfulness, but are there specific things that you do every day? Because frankly, when you're in that moment of shame, when, you know, whatever it is you do that yeah. makes you question yourself and beat yourself up and call yourself all kinds of unpleasant names, in that moment is yeah. probably not going to be the, the best time to go, oh, it's okay, honey. So unless you've already worked on it ahead of time. So what is, is it a right. daily ritual? What, what do you so do? We've actually developed a whole um, curriculum called the Mindful Self-Compassion Program. The workbook's out. It's, it's very accessible. It's taught all over the world. Um, so there are a lot of practices. Some practices are like, you know, you sit on the cushion, maybe a meditation where you develop the skill. But a lot of the practices are in the moment. For instance, this hand on the heart practice, you know, that's habitual to me. If something really hurts, I immediately do this, right? It's just a reminder, a physical reminder that, you know, hey, and by the way, it's not necessarily that it's okay. Maybe it's not okay. But even it's kind of, again, it's like that compassionate mess. I am a mess. I'm a mess right now. This, this hurts. But can I be compassionate in the midst of that acknowledgement of the pain or that acknowledgement of the mistake? So it's not just like isolating yourself, thinking you should have gotten it right. You should have been perfect. You know, that's not what hum humanity is about. Humanity is getting it wrong, acknowledging you got it wrong, learning from your mistakes. And, you know, again, that supportive, kind stance will help you learn, will help you get through it. But it actually won't make the pain go away. Because in that moment, it does suck. <laughs> you know, that's just the reality of it. You know, it's not, this isn't good thinking. This isn't positive affirmations. This isn't everything's okay. Everything's wonderful. Actually, it's not. This is the compassionate mess. I am a mess. This hurts. This is horrible. And can I be kind to myself in the midst of that? And that's what helps us get through it in a way that's a little more productive than our habitual ways of doing it. Well, thank you so much. It's incredibly useful. I'm going to start at least attempting to be a little bit more compassionate. Um, so thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. My pleasure. If uh, you want to hear more from Kristen, go to self-compassion.org or the center for msc.org. And yes, thank you for me, uh, Kristen, as well. I'm putting my hands in my heart right now <laughs> as I say this. Thanks to everybody listening and uh, thanks to Alicia Haywood, our producer. Until next time. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.